Og lige nu her på det er et sidder Tine Goethe klar til at præsentere TV-avisen. Hier ist das erste deutsche Fernsehen mit der Tagesschau. New technologies for delivering packages and uh, perhaps even pizzas eventually. My brother, because he, he makes them for fun. Star Wars. Star Wars. Amazon actually. Private use, I'd say. Flying helicopters that can do awesome stuff. Some say it's gonna be bigger than the internet. When I say military drones, what is then the first thing that comes to your mind? War without casualties and on the winning side at least. Our security. Unmanned airplanes and war. America because they use drones in civil attacks uh, in the Middle East in a sometimes uh, unfair way, I think, you know, bombing civil people and so on. The war in uh, Afghanistan. Problematic technological development that has to do with uh, moral and ethics. Do you relate any countries with it? Israel, Russia, the Middle East, Afghanistan. Corporations between primarily Western countries. <laughs> the US and the Middle East, Yemen. The US. USA. America. Esto es Planet Mundos. Hello and welcome to Planet Mundus. My name is John Anger and I'll be your host today. Drones, how do you see them? As we heard from that Vox Pop, depending on where you live in the world may significantly alter the way you feel about these unmanned aerial vehicles. Are they the future of pizza delivery or cold callous killing machines? Whilst military drones are now used in many corners of the world such as Yemen and Somalia, today we will be zooming in on Pakistan. I'm joined in the studio today by the lovely Noor Anwar. Thanks for coming. Maybe you could start by introducing yourself. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, I'm a journalist and human rights activist from Islamabad, Pakistan. I did my bachelor's in creative writing and politics from Hampshire College in the US. And now I'm doing my master's in journalism, media and globalization in Denmark and the Netherlands. Great. Thanks again for being here. In that Vox Pop, we found that when you said the word drone to our sample of Danes, they did not initially mention military drones and instead saw them as a potential new way to deliver pizza. What do you think, Noor, the answers would be if we conducted a Vox Pop in Pakistan? Wow, I think you'd get a lot more emotional responses and um, a lot more negative responses. Okay, right. So before we dive fully into this topic with you, Noor, we'll turn to our correspondent Ching Lee, who gives us the hard facts on the use of drones in Pakistan. Hi, Ching. Can you explain to us exactly what drones are? Yeah, sure. Drones are also known as unmanned aerial vehicles and also remotely piloted aircrafts. They refer to aircraft either controlled by pilots from the ground or increasingly autonomously piloted following a pre-programmed mission. Apart from the military drones, which are armed with missiles and bombs, as we are talking about here, drones are also used for intelligence and surveillance purposes. In recent years, the use of military drones has grown rapidly, particularly under the Obama administration. The United States is at the forefront of this new warfare, seeing drones as an essential tactic in fighting terrorism. What U.S. counterterrorism policy are we discussing here? 
Mm, so after launching the war on terror, the U.S. started armed conflicts with al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and associated forces. Both the George W. Bush and Obama administrations have sought to justify target killings and domestic and international law. So one important justification came on September 14th, only three days after the 9-11 attacks. The U.S. Congress granted the president the authority to use all necessary and appropriate force against those nations, organizations, or persons. He determines planned, authorized, committed, or aided 9-11 attacks. As assistant to the President for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism, John O'Brien delivered a speech in 2012 arguing that remotely piloted aircrafts, including drones, are legal, ethical, and wise. Let's hear from him. With the unprecedented ability of remotely piloted aircraft to precisely target a military objective while minimizing collateral damage, one could argue that never before has there been a weapon that allows us to distinguish more effectively between an al-Qaeda terrorist and innocent civilians. I also talked to Noor Mia from Amnesty International US, who is a Pakistani and also an anti-drone campaign coordinator for Code Pink. She gave me some real cases of how civilians were killed by US drone strikes in Pakistan. For example, where I work now, Amnesty International was on the ground in Pakistan and did an independent investigation into drone strikes um, and actually covered three different drone strikes, um, one which killed a grandmother um, who was simply picking vegetables in in a field um, and her grandchildren witnessed the attack and some of them were even injured. And another one that they documented was um, a meeting uh, between different, uh, between workers uh, who were working at a construction site at a mine um, and these workers were also bombed and all of them died. So what is the situation in Pakistan regarding drone strikes? Mm, the situation is, since 2004, the U.S. has been conducting a covert program to target top al-Qaeda leaders and their external operations network, Taliban leaders and fighters who threaten both the Afghan and Pakistani states. According to the Long War Journal, a project of a foundation for defense of democracies, the majority of the attacks have taken place in FADA, the federally administered tribal areas, which are controlled by four powerful Taliban groups. FADA refers to the area of northwest Pakistan bordering Afghanistan. So who were the people actually killed in those drone strikes in Pakistan? And how many civilians have been identified? Actually, the exact numbers for casualties are difficult to know for many reasons, such as the Taliban's control in areas where strikes occur and the scarcities of uh, reporters in those areas. The numbers estimated by some organizations are mostly based on press reporting. This is why I checked Bureau of Investigative Journalism, an independent organization based at City University, London. According to the data available from June 2004 until today, drone strikes killed between 2,400 and 4,000 people in Pakistan, a quarter of whom were civilians, including about 200 children. It also reports that these strikes injured at least an additional 1,100 individuals. That was our correspondent, Ching Li. We heard there that the majority of US drone strikes occur in FATA, the federally administrated tribal areas of Pakistan. 
Noor, could you briefly explain what the relationship is like between these areas and the rest of Pakistan? Um, so FATA, although geographically comes under Pakistani jurisdiction, uh, constitutionally, the Pakistani government has no um, jurisdiction over FATA because when um, there, when partition happened in 1947, we basically went on with the same law that the British had um, mandated, saying that FATA was run by its own tribal leadership, tribal leaders, and the Pakistani government had no legal jurisdiction over it. Mm. With the majority of Pakistanis see people who live in Fatah as Pakistanis or as separate entities? I think they would see them first and foremost as Pakhtun, as uh, Pashto speaking, and then after that they would say they're Pakistani, um, but I don't think like most Pakistanis would not venture into the Fatah region if any um, interaction did come between people from Fatah and I guess it normal day Pakistanis, it would be because the Fatah people would be coming to Islamabad or Karachi or other major cities. Okay. So in that regard, what can we say about the general attitude of Pakistanis towards drone strikes by the US? Uh, I think uh, there's been, it's you can kind of see a chronology of emotions. Uh, to start off with, it, it was immediately seen as something completely illegal against international law, and there was a lot of protests against the drone strikes that were happening. Um, I think, but it came to a point that people started realizing that terrorism was becoming uh, a more and more a dangerous issue for Pakistan, that it was, and that I think people were accepting that it was being cultivated within the country, and a lot of those militants were coming from the Fatah region. So I think at some level, although people were protesting drones, there was also no alternative except mm-hmm. for maybe the army action, which would require us putting our own army people on the ground. So I think it's um, either way, you're losing lives of innocent people. And um, I think it came to a point where nobody really knew what the alternative for drones was, if not for using the army. Okay, so you said there that the alternative would be Pakistani troops on the ground uh, taking on the the terrorists themselves. How how do Pakistanis feel that it's not Pakistan controlling the drones? It's it's America. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the problem really lies. That um, our our government still officially claims that they have not given the U.S. Um, jurisdiction over their airspace, but at the same time, obviously they have since they're using their airspace. So I think the the main a lot of the frustration also comes from our government, the Pakistani government, not being transparent and really just telling the truth about what the situation is between U.S. and Pakistan and the drones and the Taliban. It's just all very confusing, and everybody knows that the truth is not out. There. So I think that's what frustrates Pakistanis even more. And most Pakistanis know about drones, I, I assume. They, no matter where you live, you know that drones is a big it's a big topic in Pakistan. Yes, definitely. Okay. So there was, of course, um, I'm sure many of our listeners will know, there was that horrendous school killing in Peshawar last year where 145 people were killed, 132 of those are children. How would you say that affected attitudes towards the use of drones? I think that really changed the attitude of uh, the people because I think we were still half and half um, uh, to use military force, not to use military force. And I think after that, everybody basically was on the same boat as to say that we need to defeat the militants uh, Mm -hmm. and um, like civilian casualties and all these things were kind of not 
needing to be taken into account anymore since uh, what happened at the school, which I think is also not necessarily a good thing because it's now gone to an ex- in another extreme where people mm. are just like an eye for an eye and whoever needs to be killed needs to be killed. We need to, you know, clear our... Um, it becomes a lot more personal. Exactly. So um, drone strikes are being used, I think, still on and off, but most of the uh, military action that's being taken is by the Pakistani army. Okay. So Planet Mundus attended an international drone conference in Aarhus to pick the brains of the world-leaning experts on the subject. Kim Shunrock and Friar Eriksson went to investigate. Use closer test Planet Mundus. What makes armed drones so special? Jessica Dorsey researches counterterrorism and the legal framework around drones in The Hague. And she says, oh, they're not that special. Drones aren't anything new, legally speaking. They're a new weapons platform but they don't require any new regulation as such. Um, They do not uh, violate any of the IHL regulations or human rights per se. So there is no need, I think, as a lot of discussion, especially in the United States by scholars and, and activists there, that we need a whole new regime, we need new laws, we need a treaty, we need, but I, I reject that notion. Yeah, maybe we don't need to come up with a, a drones treaty or anything like that. But the way armed drones are used does create some legal issues. You know, a drone can be deployed for hours, months, days at a time, and it's deployed around a village, let's say. Um, and let's say they find a target that's a legitimate military target, and they take that person out with the drone. What's happened is that then when rescuers come to that area to clear out uh, survivors or injured people and to just clear the rubble, uh, the United States has taken the same drone in another flyby and bombed again. So we, the loose term for that is the double tap strike, and that is really legally problematic. That is a violation of, of human rights law, but that's more importantly, even within an armed conflict context, that is a war crime. I mean, that's a very colorable argument to be made that that is a war crime because the civilian nature of the rescuers, people who come to offer medical help, um, they're then being targeted because the rationale, at least what we know so far from the United States, and it's not quite so transparent, but the idea is that, well, where there's one terrorist, there are many terrorists. Then surely we must be on ethically shaky grounds. Dr. Christian Enmark is a reader of international politics at Aberystwyth University in the UK. He researches the ethics of war and says, Armed drones are so new that they occasion fresh ethical consideration of morality in war. If you ask Enmark, a lot comes down to that powerful camera mounted on the nose of a drone. If that camera technology can allow you to use force at a moment in time when very few or even no illegitimate targets are in the vicinity, then that is a highly discriminate and an ethically superior way of using violence in war. So what is the real difference between a drone and an aircraft strike? I, I think having a bomb dropped on you from a drone rather than, than a fighter bomber, it's still going to explode, it's still dangerous. So it's, it's, the, the question tends to be, you know, whose danger are we really thinking about? I think we're thinking about the danger of, of, that, that is experienced by pilots. But are drone pilots in danger? It's the, it's the psychological risk of, of enduring some, some pretty horrible spectacles. 
a few reports are starting to bubble out of drone reporters feeling deeply upset, in a sense, to kill someone that you've kind of got to know through the camera is very different to if you're an F-16 pilot flying in, dropping a weapon, flying off and never really seeing what happens. So what exactly is the ethical equation here? Uh, according to media reports, on some occasions the President of the United States has personally authorized a drone strike against a terrorist at a time when that terrorist has his family around him. The decision is taken that the value of eliminating the terrorist outweighs the tragedy of eliminating non-terrorists. And I think a lot of people would be uncomfortable about that per se, but they would also be very interested to know exactly what equation do we use. We don't know. The, the exact processes for decision-making will understandably be kept secret because if your enemy knows how you make your decisions, they will work around that. Freya Eriksen for Planet Mundus. This is Planet Mundus. Thank you, Fire, and also Kim Shonrock for who conducted one of the interviews there. Nor did anything stand out in particular for you there? Um, yeah, I think it's just the debate that goes on in um, most of our heads in Pakistan as well. It's I think now especially that um, how much is a civilian life worth? Um, mm. And, uh, you know, these family members or these children who view their fathers or uncles or as freedom fighters and, um, you know, doing something for their region when nobody else is bothering to do anything for Fata or any of these other regions that are being, um, you know, are facing conflict and don't have any, um, you know, Uh, contact with the Pakistani government who have just been banished basically um, it's it's uh, it's confusing because what do these people have and um, who one's freedom fighters and others terrorists so mm -hmm. I think it the lines become really blurry and um, but at the same time you have to really think about the larger picture I guess and um, if you kill one terrorist you know 10 terrorists are born so these are all things to take into consideration but it definitely brings up the question of where do we still maintain our humanity and our ethics when thinking about you know eradicating a problem such as terrorism okay at the end of the piece there we heard Christian Enemark talk about some of the psychological impacts on drone operators I found it interesting and I thought maybe The, the focus shouldn't really be on the operators but the targeted Pakistanis because surely a lot of the psychological impacts are happening with them. Well, how did that sit with you? I think it's still interesting to look at um, the effect that um, the drones have had on the drone pilots, such as the PTSD and the other psychological disorders, because it shows that drones are basically not the perfect warfare tool as they've often been depicted. Um, and these pilots have been able to express their feelings and what they've been through to the media. Whereas when we look at the psychological effect on Pakistanis in Fatah, there's a basically a complete lack of media presence and journalism is illegal. Any interaction with journalists is basically not possible. Possible. Um, so the Pakistani media has not really been, been playing a very vital role and um, in bringing these stories to the forefront. And I'm sure that also has something to do with the government, uh, like basically not wanting these stories to come uh, into um, into the media because it's it's inconvenient for both the U.S. and the Pakistani government. Um, so basically, this lack of information on both sides. The, there's no information for the people in Fatah. There's no. Um, there's basically no 
information on the psychological effects or or the, really the stories of what are happening in Fatah for the people in Pakistan. So I, I think it's, it's just really difficult to... Um, see really what's going on and I think this is why it, there's a lot more focus on maybe why what's going on with these pilots because they're able to voice their opinions whereas the people in yeah. Fata have not really been ha- uh, had the same opportunities to tell their stories and tell what's going on in their region. So I guess in many ways we can characterize the drone war in Pakistan as very much a hidden war. You've got the drone operators in rooms in America and they're very detached from the Pakistanis in Fatah uh, who, who aren't able to tell their story. Yeah, definitely. Jan Willems has temporarily cast away the coat of comedy to also hunt down drone experts. Indeed, he found them hiding in Aarhus in Hamburg. Du hörst Planet Mundus. On our way to determine what exactly makes military drone strikes so exceptional, we turn to Dr. Gary Schaub, a senior researcher at the Center for Military Studies of the University of Copenhagen. Gary Schaub identifies three main new aspects in the employment of military drone strikes. The first is the distance or the remove of the operator from the battlefield. Uh, the second is the lack of or the asymmetry of risk that they face, uh, the combatants face because of this. And the third is the ability to persist, to stay on the battlefield for a very long period of time in order to observe what's going on. One can make the case that this sort of technology that removes a Western combatant from the battlefield makes Western warfare more likely. That makes sense. Less risk for the combatants makes the decision to go to war easier. But isn't it unfair if only one side of the conflict has this huge advantage? There's a, an innate sense that warfare ought to be a fair fight. It ought to be a duel uh, between two people. It ought to be a wrestling match, a grappling. Uh, unfortunately, from this, this perspective <laughs> puts people in danger, uh, and perhaps unfairly so. For example, we are in an era of, of post-heroic conflict, uh, so has argued Edward Lutwak. And so people don't want to see their own family members killed uh, in combat. And so if you would ask them whether or not having a fair fight, mano y mano, eyeball to eyeball with, with, with people in other countries is a good thing or a bad thing, they would probably say no, they would like to have an unfair fight. So I think there's a misapprehension about what conflict is about. So part of the problem seems to be that we have a wrong sense of what war is, or rather should be. Let's take a look back. Some argue that compared to times when war was still heroic, today's use of military drone strikes actually causes less deaths. Well, it was pointed out by an earlier presenter that uh, since 2002, about 5,000 people have been killed uh, in drone strikes in this recent period of time. However, in the closing days of World War II, 5,000 civilians a day, every day for over six months, were killed in Japan by the U.S. Army Air Forces. And compared to those horrific losses, uh, the drone strikes today are much more discriminating and far fewer people are being killed. Now this raises the impression of a clean war, a notion that also German journalist and author Klaus Scherer observed. From 2007 to 2012, Scherer was the first German television's correspondent in Washington. During his time in the US, he got to know how proponents of the drone strikes argue. Drones are certainly tempting, because they give the illusion of a clean war. 
It is a war that has less unplanned civil casualties than a conventional war. The use of drones furthers the objective of conducting a surgically precise war. U.S. President Barack Obama is probably the person whose reputation suffered most because of his employment of drone strikes. Riding the wave of hope and change into office and boosted by 2009's Nobel Peace Prize, he is now often denounced as a drone warrior and warmonger, a notion that Klaus Scherer deems unfair. The reproach would have been even greater if the U.S. would have chosen a conventional attack instead of the drone strikes. Obama is no war politician in the classic sense. He has even received a lot of flack for being too cautious to wage more wars. But regardless of whether the drone strikes are better or worse than conventional means of warfare, Klaus Scherer is certain that drones are here to stay. I think it is beyond a doubt that drones are an established mean of warfare and have a future. This is Jan Willems for Planet Mundus. Thank you, Jan. So when I listened to that piece, I thought a little bit that they're talking about drone strikes being very clean, surgical and clinical. Um, and I thought, yes, that may be the case. But you mentioned earlier that the use of drones often is causing more terrorists. I think, yeah, because um, like he said, it's not an equal kind of warfare because these drones are, you know, they're, they're coming and ruining family gatherings. They're, um, they're, they're just unexpected. There's no protocol. There's no, um, you know, there's no way, right way of doing it. So I think, of course, like if you're just sitting in your house unexpected or you're running around outside and all of a sudden, like in two minutes, your entire house, your entire family is wiped out and you know, you're from a, you, these are generally very poor people who are al- already been dealing with conflict for so long. And I think, um, I mean, what do you expect them to do? Of course, they're going, and for, like I said, in their eyes, most of their fathers or grandfathers or their uncles are seen as freedom fighters um, and basically the only hope they have left. Mm-hmm. So um, eradicating any, that kind of hope in an area where education and uh, awareness and all this is just completely obsolete, of course, this is going to breed terrorism um, and violence. That's the only thing they've ever known. Mm-hmm. And you yourself have lived in America for a fairly long time, uh, five years? Yeah. Seeing it from almost both sides and living through a period in where America was in two wars, but also having some kind of American identity, how does this alter your opinion of, of the use of drone strikes? Yeah, this is something that I've constantly... Um, try to grapple with because I'm also a U.S. citizen Um, and uh, I was in college in the U.S. when Osama bin Laden was found in Pakistan Mm -hmm. so I've been having to deal with um, these kinds of uh, like shocks and then denials and you know trying to give explanations and justifications and um, I really grapple with I I really have difficulty with this because on one side whenever I talk whenever I talk in Pakistan about um, you know defending maybe not defending but kind of explaining why drone strikes are maybe the only option Mm -hmm. since before our army was not really um, taking initiative to go into these areas themselves and uh, um, so then I'm seen automatically as a westerner as an American and then in in, um, when I'm in the US and I'm trying to give justifications for such as these things of how like concepts such as freedom fighter and terrorist terrorists are just so um, blurred you know then I'm completely put in this box of being like a Pakistani Muslim who's Mm -hmm. being biased with her opinion so Mm -hmm. 
I, I this is something wanting to be a journalist I, I think this is something that I really struggle with because I don't really know where I'm supposed to place mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. and um, where my views uh, and my identity are going to be able to separate mm-hmm. and not really put me in this conformed box mm-hmm. you you've been on a couple of rallies about drone strikes haven't you nor can you just briefly state what those are about yeah i think initially it was just protests against the drones and i think um it was just the outrage at the all the civil innocent civilians and the children being killed and um i think it was just the first reaction and you know it was completely illegal and um i was there were a lot of lawyers international lawyers and we was just all this you know adrenaline was put into protesting against drones but i but i think when i started really um trying to talk to other people about it and trying to um um, explain why I was so opposed to it. I think I came to a point where I realized terrorism is uh, really, it's like a, really, it's a global program, a, a problem which is just mm-hmm. breeding itself more and more. Mm-hmm. And if the Pakistani army is not taking the initiative to um, take care of this problem itself, then it becomes an international threat. And then I, at one, at some point, I just had to realize that um, the U.S. you know has no choice mm-hmm. than to do these drone strikes. I wished there were maybe be done in a more ethical way or um, or that like I said most of our frustration comes from the fact that the US and Pakistani governments are not being clear and honest about what their relationship is and what their um, decision on these drone strikes like has been about mm-hmm. so um, I think if, if things were more clear and if we hadn't been so misled from the beginning I think people would be able to um, get where they are now and realizing that the drone strikes were happening for a reason and also now I'm happy though that the Pakistani army has taken the initiative to go on the ground and try to take care of this problem itself. Ironically, almost taking the emotion out of it and what is quite an emotional exactly. subject. So having these two sides of your personality, Noor, we heard that Obama can be characterised as a Nobel Peace Prize winner or he can be characterised as a drone warrior. How would you characterise him? <laughs> That's such a difficult question. Um, but I think Obama is still way better off than Bush. And um, no, I think he's also been left with a very difficult situation of being expected to, you know, close down Guantanamo and end these wars and bring back troops. So I think um, it's this kind of the same situation I feel like we see Pakistan win, where we're putting all this um, expectations on, you know, Imran Khan, this new upcoming mm, leader. Yeah. I think it's like you can't expect one person to change an entire system and make every happy so I think I kind of see Obama in the same way um, so yeah I mean I still think Obama's done a better job than maybe um, you know somebody else could have in his place approach. and it seems again that drones are here to stay with that in mind finally what role do you see them playing in the future of Pakistan um, well, I really can't imagine drones delivering pizzas in Pakistan because I feel like that would be a really controversial issue. Yeah. Um, but uh, I hope that um, our army is has already started proving itself in what can be done on on-the-ground operations. And I, I think that maybe drones should stick to more maybe in terms of, you know, technology advancement and all that. But maybe it needs to reevaluate its role in the, in the military because, as that professor said, it doesn't really make a fair ground for warfare and um, it's not fair to either side I think in the end since we also discussed that so many of these pilots are also you know get, facing repercussions Fantastic Noor so on behalf of Planet Mundus I would like to thank you very much for your time Thank you Now as per usual we turn to our wham bam thank you man Jan Willems and as like Superman he takes to the skies with drones Du lytter til Planet Mundus
Dear listeners of Planet Mundus, I'm not happy. The world is not what it used to be. When I was young, we used to drive our cars ourselves. Our watches and phones were not yet smarter than us, and we didn't have those damn intelligent fridges that do the grocery shopping on their own. We used to actually go out and do something. Technological advance. <laughs> My ass. It has turned us into weeping sissies, unable to fulfill most basic tasks without an app. And all that same advance has taken away one of the last bastions of our vigor and vitality. War. Dear listeners, I fear that we in the West are losing the joy of war. That word used to mean something. The good old kind I'm talking about still meant getting out there and actually kicking some asses. In the name of democracy, of freedom, or whatever. I don't care. Reasons are overrated anyway. The point is, the old generations of soldiers still knew how to blindly disassemble, clean and reassemble a machine gun and fire a burst in your ass in 20 seconds. People used to get outside and work in the fresh air, beneath the midday sun, under the pouring rain, enveloped by the cold, cold snow. Boots on the ground actually meant boots on the ground. We were getting to know new cultures and countries we've never heard of before. It was an adventure, an experience. The history of American warfare was packed with exotic and sunny destinations. From the picturesque coasts of northern France in World War II to the exotic jungles of Vietnam and the sunny dunes of Iraq. Now those were places you could ride home from. Now look at what has become of war. A bunch of pimpled computer gamers, allergic to sunlight and any kind of exposure to nature, playing around with a joystick and a remote-controlled toy plane. And then they have the boldness to say that they have post-traumatic stress disorder, or whatever they call their womanly mood swings today. <laughs> Drama queens. In the good old times, veterans would come home and shove down deep those memories and feelings and drown them with a bottle of Johnny Walker. Look at those guys we're attacking, on the other hand. Now they still know how to appreciate a good fight. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Take ISIS. They may be headings fashionable again. Pillaging and raping and burning. Now that is something I can work with. War reporters used to be awakened by the smell of napalm and wrestled their morning coffee from the dead hands of a fallen colleague. We still had something to actually report on. Huge military planes and helicopters, armored tanks launching deadly missiles into the skies, explosions, smoke, hundreds in panic. That was still something we could sell. And now? Shady wars in the secret? Fewer victims? Fighting from the comfort of your own couch, perhaps? Of course it had to be a Democrat, like Barack Obama, to promote the sissy way of waging a war. What's next, Barry, huh? Are you gonna point drones to report on the drones? And make me completely obsolete? Huh? <sighs> My dear planet Mendusians, I feel the world is going down the drain. If we don't even have the balls and the decency to fight our own fights with our own fists, then I don't see a future for this generation of whiny little wussies. Jan Willems of Planet Mundus. I'm out. Thank you, Jan Willems, and once again to Noor. Now, of course, we don't want to drone on, so we'll conclude the show by urging you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and comment on our website, planetmundus.com. Here, you can also read this week's blog by Ulu Kosgard. We are also available on iTunes, plus your favourite podcast app. My name's John Anger, and there's been a tremendous amount of help behind the scenes to bring the show to you. Today's technical producer was Daphne Henning, and the show was produced by Nihal El-Sharif and Jan Willems. Thanks again, and tune in again soon. Just...